Welcome back, Max from Palestine Action. What do you guys want to talk about today? The success <laughs> of my comedy career. Big news is the victory against the Elbit system, kicking their asses out of London. Drain fire extinguishers and fill them up with red paint and just blast the side of the building and make it look like a crime scene. We had hundreds of people, new people cycling through almost every day, getting arrested and showing up at this factory. It's all to the efforts of individuals willing to take direct collective action despite the personal consequences. Israel's largest weapons manufacturer, Elbe, had at the beginning of this year, 10 sites in the UK. We have now successfully shut down permanently. Two of Albert's 10 weapon sites are looking to change the cost of business for the Zionist architecture of the oppression of Palestinians. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for justice and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram. And you can call me Mikey Intifada if you're going to throw a meltdown because a weapon system has pulled out of London. Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. You can also find us on Patreon, where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes, an additional one to two podcasts per week, including our latest podcast, the Patreon Pod. It's a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours for our Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash Palestine Pod. I blacked out. Did I say Mikey Intifada? Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. That was a good one, too. Oh, thanks. Yeah, got another repeat guest, but it's definitely, I mean, if there was ever a reason to have a repeat guest, this certainly is one of them. Welcome back to the Palestine Pod, Max from Palestine Action. I'm excited to be a two-time guest. Am I the first yeah. two-time guest? Oh, you're second. the second. Yeah. Who you're like the in first? The t- Adnan but All right, I can't. A guy who's literally <laughs> Palestinian in Palestine. So, you know what I mean? You're pretty good. You're pretty good. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> What do you guys want to talk about today? The success <laughs> of my comedy career? Okay. <laughs> I mean, obviously the big news is the, is the victory against Elbit Systems and kicking their asses out of London. They're still present elsewhere. But yeah, so take us through maybe just like the success and how you heard about it. Where did they give you a call and say, hey, it worked, we're leaving, bye? I mean, how does this work? Like when you do direct action that actually works? A lot has happened since last time we chatted. First and foremost, after about a six-week sustained effort, we decided to take on London, uh, the London headquarters of Elbit, Israel's largest weapons company, in earnest. And over a five-week period, we did multiple actions every week. Palestine Action has only been in existence for two years. And I'm very happy to be back on the show to talk about our biggest three to date. As many of you already know, if you, if you listen to our last episode or follow the news, Israel's largest weapons company, 
uh, weapons manufacturer, Elbe, had at the beginning of this year, uh, 2022, 10 sites in the UK. And I'm very happy to come back on the podcast in celebration of our closure of the second site in the UK. We have now successfully shut down permanently two of Elbit's 10 weapon sites in the UK. This is a major victory, as you can imagine. But it happened really proud of the way it all went down because we had been doing actions at this site in London, at their London headquarters, uh, for about two years now, where we would lock on to each other in sort of like big concrete blocks and prevent entry into the facility. There were many more sort of covert actions where we drain fire extinguishers and fill them up with red paint and just blast the side of the building and make it look like a crime scene. And we've been doing that a lot too, but about two months ago, we, we really stepped up our efforts. We had a sustained campaign where actions were taking two or three times a week, every week for six straight weeks. We had hundreds of people, new people cycling through almost every day, getting arrested and showing up at this factory. And I was there at the last action when we had three people chain, who chained themselves to the front of the building and the police, as they were taking them away saying, you know, we're really getting sick of removing you here. Elbit's not even here anymore. You know, the cops will say anything to get you to stop coming. So we had to really like, this is the first we had heard because security is so tough inside the building and we haven't been able to get up uh, into the actual offices for a couple of years now. You know, we had to start doing some research to actually confirm whether this was true. And it took us another two weeks to actually make sure that Elbit had indeed quit the city of London. But we can confirm today that there is no Elbit operating in London anywhere. And it's all to the efforts of individuals willing to take direct collective action despite the personal consequences. And it was, a, I mean, like another important part of this is like how long a process it was. In the beginning, when it was clear that we weren't going to leave or we weren't going to stop this pressure campaign, Elbit tried to alter the building. We had been using ladders to climb up onto the, this facade, you know, because London is a very rainy city. And so almost all the buildings have these enormous awnings over the front doors. Elbit took the step of actually removing their awning attempt to uh, prevent us from taking the sort of actions we've been taking. So our tactics had to switch. Before, we had been bringing ladders by very early in the morning and, you know, using quick maneuvers to get up on the roof. But without this awning, we had to change our tactics. And so we just started going right through the front door and getting as far as we could before stopping and locking ourselves on. And these lock-ons proved very effective, and it was enough to make Elbit leave. The cost of doing business in London became too high. And this is, you know, this is what we in the boycott movement are really looking for. We're looking to change the cost of business for the Zionist architecture of the oppression of Palestinians. And we're very proud of how it's going so far. Such great work, bro. So proud of you. Congratulations, Mazel Tov. It's literally 
giving life to the movement every single day when we read these updates. And I know people around the world appreciate it. I saw a mural in Palestine dedicated to Palestine action. People on the ground under the oppression of the occupation are giving it up for you all for scaling these weapons factories, shutting it down and literally throwing your body on the machine. So keep getting after it, bro. Thank you for bringing that up. That mural in Gaza, which is uh, on our Instagram page, uh, Twitter, um, follow Palestine Action on all the social medias, um, please. That mural that you described is in Gaza. An incredible artist in Gaza, Zainab Al-Kolek. That name, Al-Kolek, I'm sure uh, is familiar to a lot of your listeners. Israel shot a missile into their apartment complex uh, during the last assault on Gaza, killing dozens and dozens of members of this family. Yeah, I, I really recommend checking out her work in general, but uh, this mural that she painted for Palestine Action is so beautiful and it's so inspiring for us. I mean, anytime we get up on a rooftop or we lock on to a gate of a Elbit factory, people in Palestine notice. And it's so incredible for us to have Palestinians in Gaza messaging us while we're on the rooftops being like thank you you know and the idea of Palestinians thanking us when it's their resistance that inspires us seems to be it's very humbling and this mural is even more so it's so beautiful and it makes us it's very rewarding I don't really uh I don't want to keep saying too much otherwise I'll start blushing but do you know where they moved their office if they moved it elsewhere in the UK or if they've just eliminated it completely or have they gone outside the UK so far they're I mean, all I can sort of answer as far as uh, I, I don't know exactly what, where uh, what their plans are. They haven't shared them, obviously, but we do know that about the eight remaining sites, and we do, and and since they've left London, we have hit six of them. So we are not stopping, and we're not resting on our victory and sort of waiting for the other eight to leave on their own volition. We're, we're, we're committed to forcing all of Elbit's facilities off of the UK. And we encourage other people around the world to do the same. You know, from Munich to Massachusetts, there are Elbit factories. And there are way more companies than that who produce parts for Israeli weaponry. And all of those factories need to be shut down. And governments aren't going to do it. And I'm afraid petitions and marches aren't going to do it either. We really have to start thinking about what we can do ourselves. We're no longer patient. We're no longer waiting for governments to do the right thing. These governments are so tight with Israel. As Joe Biden makes his plans to, to visit Israel this week, the idea of asking the U.S. government to stop the oppression of Palestinians seems ridiculous. But what we can do on ourselves can't be underestimated. Just yesterday in Scotland, the recently launched Palestine Action in Scotland took on the Talus Weapons Factory. One of the largest arms companies producing military drones, armored vehicles, missile systems, and more. Amongst the assorted warfare-related hardware made by Talus, the Watchkeeper drone project stands out. The project seeks to further the policing and surveillance of captive populations belonging to nations of Iraq, Palestine, and Afghanistan. Watchkeeper UAVs have also been 
seen over British waters by UK border force monitoring the flow of refugees seeking to enter the UK. You know what their tagline is? We're watching. (laughs) Yeah, no, I wish, right? Talus, Talus, building a future we can all trust. Yeah, one thing you can trust is that as long as those factories are making components that end up in Israeli drones, Palestine action will be a major thorn in their side. And this week, we I'm really proud to report to you guys that we cost this company one million pounds with our action. Through Palestine Actionists, scaled the roof with sledgehammers and went to town on that roof, breaking the roof and repeatedly driving their hammers down over and over and over again until they were just too tired to keep going and the police arrested them. But not before costing this company one million pounds. They stopped work for two days and now the roof is severely damaged, causing more every time it rains in Scotland, those watchkeeper drone parts are rusting and getting ruined. And first of all, I just want to say that the three people who did this have all been released from jail. They'll have court dates in a co- later on this year, and we'll uh, be sure to update everyone on our social media about how they can support them. The action was a great success. And one thing that's been really hard about being in Palestine action is we're doing all this incredible work and we're experiencing a real media blackout in the UK. Though we forced the closure of two weapons factories, no one's really covering it, which is why alternative media like you guys are so important. But Weirdly, in Scotland, this has just been our second action. We were on the front page of three different newspapers. Like, it's really taking off in Scotland, and people are really responding, and people are seeing militant direct action resistance on behalf of Palestinians in Scotland everywhere now. And it's it's only going to grow. Palestine action is just waiting to launch throughout Europe and indeed everywhere that there is opportunities for direct action. We strongly encourage people to take it upon themselves to do it. And we're more, I mean, one thing that I'm really excited about is as our notoriety and our successes increase, more and more people are reaching out to us, asking us how to do what we're doing. How do you get up on roofs? How do you recruit people to do, to take action against Israeli weapons that will likely result in your own arrest. We have trainings, we have resources, we have presentations that we're happy to give groups and people are starting to take us up on it. And I do expect to see more and more militant BDS actions, more and more serious direct action in support of Palestinian happening around the world because because it's so effective, because unlike asking government to help We're just doing it ourselves and daring them to stop us. And so far, they haven't been able to. So far, direct action has proven to be the most effective ways of costing Zionist money, of hurting them, hurting their bottom line. And we're very keen on continuing to do so. We want the price for oppressing Palestinians to go up and up and up and not be profitable. We want these companies to lose money and quit in disgrace. And then kill themselves. (laughs) 
I am so glad that you brought up the resources and the workshops that Palestine Action is offering in order to spread the message of direct action and get more people involved across the world. Just looking at your website, and you have some amazing graphics and pamphlets and guide on how to convert a fire extinguisher. I mean, 46 pages long, amazing graphic design. (laughs) You guys are doing your trainings, your workshops uh, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. And you're providing people with information like know your rights, which is so essential, how to prepare for getting arrested, what to bring with you when you go to to a site to participate in an action, what your rights are when you're on the site. So the people know that when they do get involved in something like this, yes, there is a risk to yourself. And that's, of course, you know, it goes without saying, but you can minimize that risk. And the impact is extraordinary. I mean, what you have been able to do and what that means for what you will be able to do and what others who who follow this model will be able to do is really, really inspiring. And, and there's so much that can be done here. I mean, this is going to get to a point where companies that are involved in the murder industry, in, 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 in business of bloodshed, we call it. Yes. The business of bloodshed are going to have to sit there in their boardrooms, in their in in their meeting rooms, asking themselves where they're going to set up shop because this city and that city and another city are are not fair game anymore because there's too much resistance and making it more difficult for these entities to operate, making it so that they're not comfortable and they can't just set up an office anywhere in the world is going to have a tremendous impact for the Palestine liberation movement. I know it. And and I know, you know, it, and I know everybody who's involved in this knows it because otherwise, you know, they wouldn't be putting their lives on the line in this way. It's, it's so, so inspiring. They'll be in that boardroom. Like what's that sound on the roof? <laughs> <laughs> I just think that it's important to get to the point where if you're in, if you're an Israeli weapons manufacturer, you get to the. We want to get to the point where they expect us, where they're, where the. This is part of our daily lives. We will have to deal with direct actionists disrupting, bothering, and worse every day potentially. And one thing that like is important to to understand here is this wouldn't be working if it was just ten of us. Right. If there was just 10 people and it was the same 10 of us getting arrested over and over again, they would just put 10 of us in jail. But we've had the same um, people get arrested only a few times. Only a few members have been uh, arrested multiple times. The vast majority of Palestine actionists just go uh, do it once and then new people join. It's so exciting to talk about the hundreds and hundreds of people who have don't know each other, don't have anything to do with each other other than a shared sense of moral outrage and a sense of empowerment. We all feel empowered that like we can do something about this and we're doing it. And Palestine Action has created this infrastructure where people can sign up by themselves, get brought in at their own pace, and then be taken care of every step of the way so that they do feel like they, they, they hear from people who've done it before them. When I, uh, the first time I got arrested with Palestine Action, I spoke with people who had been there before me and I was thoroughly prepared. And hey, quick I can't question. wait to do it again. 
Yeah, go ahead. What's it like getting arrested in Scotland if you're not a citizen? Because <laughs> I am coming to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival next month. <laughs> oh my goodness, we should get you. We should get you. Uh, we should do an intake. Um, yeah. The uh, the I, I I think the the real answer to your question is it's way better to get arrested in Scotland than it is anywhere in the United States, even oh, if sure. you're a foreigner. And it's worth it. I, I I think what we should do, Michael, is you play a few shows at the Fringe, we smash up a factory, and then you get deported. We'll do it again next year. I'm kind of into it. I bought it one way, so they got to send me back. Yeah, it's a great idea. I think your thinking is really exciting, right? I think uh, you aren't the first person to whom it's occurred to, maybe I'll just get on a plane, head over to the UK, smash up a weapons factory. What better thing can I do with a week? And I, I'm there for two, um, so let's go. Welcome. You are most welcome, sir. And everyone else listening to this is too. If you know you're going to be in the UK for a little while, get in touch with us. We'll get you up on a roof during your vacation. Does this It'll count be- as conspiracy though? Should I cut this out? I don't know. <laughs> Lara, you're the lawyer. Can I get some legal advice? <laughs> I am not saying a word. <laughs> you are on the podcast. <laughs> you're the co-host. You know what? Pa- Patreon. <laughs> yeah, no, no. You know what? Um, here's the thing. I don't know how conspiracy works in 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 the UK, but I think there was there was something that really touched my uh, that really touched my heart. You guys posted this on your Instagram. It was an interview with one of the individuals who got arrested at one of your actions, and she was asked like, "How do you feel?" or "Or what do you think about you know what you did?" And her quote was, "If a child is getting beaten behind the door and you beat down the door to stop it from happening, it's worth it." So in my mind, there's no conspiracy when the aim of the action is to prevent literal genocide from happening and the weapons of genocide from being manufactured and being used mercilessly on a sieged population in violation of all norms of international law. I mean, come on, who is conspiring here? Is it is it you who's trying to prevent murder from happening or, or is it the apartheid state which has been wilding out I think I think we're good to leave this on the pod. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean the real conspiracy, the real collusion here is the British state with Israeli weapons manufacturers. Time and time again we see police ignoring that child being uh beaten behind the door and just arresting the people knocking down the door trying to help the child. You know 40% of police beat their significant others. So, and that's just the reported amount. They're probably too busy doing it themselves. I don't think the numbers are any different in the UK. And I also think that we have limited opportunities. One of the things that like we all have to deal with is like a finite supply of energy, right? You can organize a march or you can organize a factory occupation, but only one of those things is going to cost those who profit from occupation their precious dollars. Since our, the beginning of Palestine Action, the amount of money we've cost through doing direct actions like this is in the tens of millions of dollars. I don't know of any other BDS tactic that is costing its targets so much money. And I really think 
that we need to start thinking about giving direct action. It's due because it is so effective and we all have a, a limited amount of time and energy. So let's start thinking about how we can be most effective. And direct action isn't just limited to Palestine, right? I think with the recent Supreme Court decision in the U.S., one thing to think about is how much more surveillance, right, is going to be deployed to see what women are doing to take care of their reproductive health. We all have an opportunity to disrupt through direct action those surveillance mechanisms. We have the opportunity to use direct action to make the state's job harder. And we have to do that, especially for the fellas listening. We have this opportunity, right, to use direct action to make the impact of this horrible Supreme Court case less. And I really want to encourage our listeners to start thinking about the ways in which we can sort of cross-pollinate our movements to find what's most effective and to disrupt these different systems, these different though interlocking systems of oppression. From IUD to IED, baby, let's get it popping. <laughs> that, was, that was really good. Um, I mean, here, yeah. Yeah, you got to know acronyms to get that joke. Yeah. So w- one thing I think, Max, that has made the Palestine action strategy successful is that you haven't been met with lethal resistance yet. They haven't tried to kill you yet. (laughs) 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 That's a real point. No, I know, I know. It's it's a good point to make. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. Is that because it's the UK? Is that because it's the UK? Yeah. It's because it's white people. In the UK and because... No, the Palestine action individuals are from all backgrounds. I mean, there are white people, there are not white people, right? We all have like a great number of British Muslims. We have Kashmiri members, we have Palestinian members. British Arabs in general are starting to get more and more involved. But I think the difference is, right, that in the UK, you can get up on a weapons factory roof and they will send the workers home because it's a worker safety issue. In the US, that's impossible to imagine. What would happen instead is they, it seems like they would just fire hose you off the roof and into the back of a police car, dead or alive. And I don't, you know, it's, it's really easy for me to sit here and being like, listen, I can say this with moral authority, Everyone should get arrested trying to help Palestine if it means being in jail for a day or two. Everyone should. I believe I believe everyone should. I don't feel as comfortable saying that when felonies and 10-year prison sentences are on the line. And so I think everyone's context is individual, but direct action doesn't have to be smashing weapons factory roofs with a a sledgehammer using your own hands. The Arab Resource and Organizing Center in San Francisco did an incredible series of direct actions in the U.S. blocking Israeli shipping companies from unloading their ships, uh, the blocks of boat things. Those were incredible direct actions. So I, I just want to make sure that we have sort of a full definition in our heads when we're about what we're talking about here. But also, I just want to encourage people to sort of, just because uh, the U.S. prison industrial complex is so scary and so real, doesn't mean direct action is off the table. It just means we have to be more strategic and careful, and, and careful about our planning. The context might be different, but the tactics at our disposal 
can be tailored to those contexts. Michael, you do bring up a good point about white people. And, you know, uh, if you are one of those people who has ever messaged me, how how can I use my privilege to help Palestine? This is one of those instances where you can use your privilege to help Palestine. Because if you are a white person involved in a direct action, you are going to be treated differently than somebody who's a person of color or visibly Muslim. So this is a great way for you to be involved and do something of, of service to the movement. Okay. I, I think that that is a really Im- important point. I think that's, I think there's a lot of sense to that. One thing that I would just say is that like privilege discourse has a lot of great, um, great components to it. But one of it, one, one place it's lacking is I think we're all to greater or lesser extents victimized by the state, working class white people too. It's just different. And we shouldn't let our relative privileges divide us. We should just keep in mind that we all have the same enemy, and that is the oppressive state, and that we all have different roles in bringing it down. The goal, I think, is is the same for everybody. Max making the pitch for the Appalachians. Definitely. My redneck brothers. No, um, truly. There are some really cool, like, socialist redneck people. And I found out that there are a bunch of, like, radical progressives in the South, and they're fighting maybe the hardest battle because they're in the belly of the beast. And fighting literal Nazis. Yeah. And they are going to need a lot of help. Like, like It's like a white nationalist Christian vibe down there. And they're going to need men who are not the target of these draconian abortion laws to resist them. One of the first like organized resistance uh, efforts against monopoly and big business happened at the Battle of Blair Mountain. And that is in the South where like miners were being taken advantage of. That uh, Blair Mountain thing that you're talking about, is the first time the U.S. has ever used its Air Force against its own people. Um, this was right after World War I, striking miners were put down with the Air National Guard. And if you think about how fucked up the United States of America is, Think about how much they hate radical organizing that they'll use the Air Force to disrupt it. The only thing they hate more are Black people, which again, as we saw in the MOVE movement in Philadelphia, uh, they dropped a bomb on them too. The U.S. is willing to bomb its own citizens when they're Black people and communist radicals. Literally, just like maybe a few months ago, the LAPD, they were disposing of fireworks in South Central and they just blew up a car and like people's houses were blown up and like people were injured. There was a huge, it's, it's a huge situation. And they were just like, yeah, we were, we messed up. You know how it is. Sometimes you blow up a black neighborhood. It's like, no, um, I've never done it. I can't, yeah, I have. can't say that's relatable for me. I will just say like one other thing I really want to say is that the state will crack down on you when you're effective. You don't see marches being broken up by police's, uh, uh, police on horseback, right? Because uh, marches aren't that effective anymore. It's really easy to ignore. I remember being in, uh, the feeling of being ignored when you're on marches. I mean, in 2003, I was uh, in Washington, D.C. with mil- millions of other people trying to protest the Iraq war, yeah. which hadn't even started yet. Mm-hmm. And they just ignored us and did it anyway. I'm I'm trying to be unignorable. No more petitions for me. No more marches for me. I want to be unignorable. I want to be 
a thorn in the side of war profiteers. And I'm willing to pay whatever cost that incurs for me. And so far, it's been totally worth it. I can't really overstate how impotent and ineffective I felt during assaults on Gaza in the past, when all I could do was fire off an angry Facebook post or write my congressman who has voted 10 times out of 10 to uh, supply more funding for Iron Dome. I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like the world is full of terrible things, but I am doing my part to fight them. And it is a sustaining feeling and it's a, it makes me feel far more engaged with all of the shit that I find fucked up than I've ever felt before. And not only that, I get messages from comrades in Gaza and they call me comrade and it actually means something. The, the feeling of being a part of something is something that I, I was really missing uh, in my activism life before this. In comedy, Steve Martin once said, be undeniable. Be so funny that nobody can deny you. And you want to be so disruptive that nobody can deny it. Exactly. That's exactly right. It's fire, dog. Love it. Palestine action. And if you can't get involved, donate. You know what I mean? Buy them a sledgehammer. Doesn't have to be you. I'll warm one up for me. I'll be there next month. You know what I mean? Like there are people who are willing to go. So it doesn't have to be you if it's not your bag. Donate, follow them, share their information. Yeah, I think there's a lot of great ways to be involved in Palestine Action. And I do think that financial contributions are a major part. Palestine Action, what we like are, are cheap. We have really cheap proclivities. Some NGOs you donate to, you donate $100 to and you probably bought customized cocktail napkins for one of their galas. That sounded homophobic. Bought... <laughs> I don't like the way you said that. You that it's gala. gala? Yeah. Gala? It's, it's not the Met Gala. <laughs> I think it's like, I think it's like, uh, it could be either. No, I don't know. It was I'm, just for the joke. I don't know. So that doesn't really I'm matter concerned to me. Now. Oh. now I'm concerned. <laughs> Max is like, I've said this too many times. <laughs> no wonder I'm not invited at that bar again. <laughs> Whereas Palestine Action, if you uh, donate 300 bucks to us, you, you just paid for a sledgehammer and a ladder. Our lawyers work for free. So to reproduce one of our actions is very cost effective. And it's another thing we're proud of. We're able to do a lot of great work for not a lot of money. What's Home Depot's opinion on the occupation? I mean... Because it uh, seems like we might be funneling money back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to say that like one thing I have done no research into whatsoever are the UK equivalent of Home Depot's and where their money is going into. I just don't want to know. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I think you need to stay focused, right? <laughs> you can't... Right. You or find a, a Palestinian-owned <laughs> hardware store, right? <laughs> of which, I mean, that's a that's an idea. Yeah, um, come on now. The tricky part is I think you can either be uh, respectable or you can be effective. Mm. And a lot of people try and be both. And I've definitely tried to be respectable in my past work on Palestine, too. I, I, you know, you try to do it in a way that, one, won't cause you personal pain and if given the option i would always rather be effective than respectable and i think i'm ready to say that you can't be both you have to pick one we would all love right to be able to just persuade people to stop 
uh, building weapons that kill Palestinians through our arguments. And if you keep it respectful, right, uh, you're not going to get arrested. No one's going to think less of you, but you're also just going to be ignored. And Palestine Action has decided that we're not going to be ignored. We're going to be unignorable. And at the expense of our respectability, I would love to tell young students, right, that they can advocate as fiercely for Palestine as they want without consequences. That's not true. We don't live in that world. There are going to be consequences if you do it as fiercely as possible. And Palestine Action has managed to diffuse those consequences. So they're they're not felt by only one person. They're, just, they're felt by as many of us as possible. In, in psychology, there's something called a diffusion of responsibility, where enough people see a situation and they think that somebody is going to help. What ends up happening is that nobody helps because everybody thinks that somebody else is going to help. What Palestine Action has done is created a fusion of responsibility, right? Where everybody is helping in the circle and therefore everything gets done. And it's like, it's a beautiful new social order. Yeah. And it's effective. It's working. The point about respectability, I think is, is, is a hundred percent accurate. But I also think that you might not have that respectability today, but you will 1 billion percent have it tomorrow. And you will, it, it is without a doubt guaranteed to happen because when you ruffle some feathers and you seek to totally disrupt the balance of powers and essentially dismantle these systems of oppression in the moment, they make you out to be the guy, the bad guy. Right. Right. And then only in history books do we look back and say, oh, wow, Palestine action stood up for Palestinians and and they actually took, you know, they didn't just take to the streets. They put their bodies on the line. These are the actual I mean, these are the types of things that only those who are the most remembered in history do. It wasn't popular to be Malcolm when Malcolm was Malcolm. It's popular to be Malcolm today. And that's the same type of thing. You're not doing something which is going to be congratulated today by the powers that be. But when those power structures shift and, you know, that that new social order, like Michael saying, is is created or is reinforced certainly people will look back on you and say that you were doing something, you were ahead of your time and that you were paving the way for liberation in a way that didn't exist before when we all we did was march and take to the streets and there was an occasional direct action, but it was unfocused and it didn't have this sort of sustained element. I mean, the the, the really unique thing about Palestine action there has been direct action before people have, I mean, people have been engaging in direct action forever. Right. But the really unique thing about Palestine action is that you have set a goal. We want Albert out of the UK. These are the, this is the number of Albert factories and locations in the UK. And one by one, we are taking them down. And once we're done taking them down, actually, we're not even going to wait till we're done taking them down. We're going to move to other weapons manufacturers that are involved in the murder of Palestinians. You have created a group whose goal is to pursue this systematic takedown of Israeli weapons manufacturers. That is very different, I think, than the type of direct action that you would see before. We are hyper-focused. We're a direct action network. We are a group of people who take direct action. That's, um, that is, that is the sweet spot. Like that is why, that is why it works because a Palestine solidarity group that, you know, is operating out of 
you know, any town USA and one day holds a, a lecture and the next day holds a vigil and the next day maybe holds a direct action, but it's one direct action one time is not going to have the same impact that you have when as an organization, that is your purpose. Yeah. First, you're effective and then you're respected, but it never happens the other way around. Anything that you want to say in closing, Max? Please join Pass on Action, buy our t-shirts. We have stickers on our website. And thank you so much for having me. We really appreciate any uh, opportunity we can to spread this gospel. Absolutely. We are so happy to have had you on the pod for a second time, our second repeat guest after Adnan Bark. We so appreciate all of the work that you're doing and sharing your success with us here on the Palestine pod. Keep up the good work, but everybody check out Palestine Action. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the Palestine Pod. Go ahead and check out our full episodes and sources at www.palestinepod.com. Send us an email at palestinepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at the Palestine Pod and check us out on Patreon, where we're doing a bunch of exciting stuff. www.patreon.com slash Palestine Pod. That's been another episode of the pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.